Well, good morning. morning. Welcome to the Blue Lake Presbyterian Church. Well, today's sermon title is Good Soil. And I'd like to start with a joke about an old farmer who bought a piece of Bottom Creek land that had never been developed. It was full of rocks and brush and thorns. So he started in on it, clearing the underbrush, taking away the rocks one by one, then cultivating the soil. And he planted a garden with everything in it, from vegetables onto to corn. It really became a garden spot. He was pretty proud of his garden. So one Sunday morning, after church service, he invited the preacher to come out and see if he would stop by and have a look at his beautiful garden. Well, when the preacher arrived, he looked and he said, wow, this is wonderful. These are the biggest tomatoes I have ever seen. Praise the Lord. Look at these green beans, that squash. Those huge melons. The Lord has really blessed this place. And look at the height of that corn. God has really been good. Uh, The old farmer was listening to all this. And at one point he blurted out. Reverend. I wish you could have seen it. When the Lord was working it by himself. So here's the question. What's the difference between a dressmaker and a farmer? A dressmaker sows what he gathers. But a farmer gathers what he sows. Sowing seed in good soil is the central theme of today's message. Has anyone ever heard of quinoa? I see a couple of hands in the crowd. Well, quinoa is a grain. It's gluten-free. It's high in protein. And it originated in the Andean mountains of Peru and Bolivia. Now, production of quinoa came to the United States in the 60s. And it was first grown at the high elevations in Colorado. Now, you may ask, why high elevations? Well, the reason is, quinoa does not like temperatures above 85 degrees for seed development. Not above 85 degrees? Oh, wait a minute. That sounds just like the temperatures in coastal Humboldt County, where we rarely see temperatures exceeding 70 degrees. Well, believe it or not, in terms of California quinoa production, Blue Lake is the center of the universe. Blake Richard, a local farmer right here in Blue Lake, brought quinoa to Humboldt 20 years ago. He started out with just a few rows. And last year, over 500 acres 
of quinoa were grown in Humboldt County by 10 local quinoa farmers. Well, at Sun Valley, most of our flowers that we grow are grown in greenhouses. Only a very small portion, like our summer iris, comes from the field. Well, we use a very long crop rotation cycle. And consequently, most of our fields in Arcada are planted with pasture, which we lease out to some of the local dairy farmers. Well, last year, someone suggested that we grow quinoa. So after organically certifying some of our fields, we became part of this group of local farmers growing quinoa for Lundberg. We planted 10 acres in the spring of 2016, sowing 25 pounds per acre. Now, being kind of inexperienced in growing this crop, our first harvest yielded 1,000 pounds an acre, or 40-fold, of what we had originally seeded. Then in October, Lundberg organized a meeting to review the season and, and look at the yield per acre of all the farmers in this group. Now, some of those farmers yielded more than 100-fold what was originally planted. Others scored as low as, as 20 times what was planted. Now, this wide range of yield depended on the location, on the soil, on the richness of the soil. In other words, it depended on how good the soil was. Now, in the Bible, there are many references about soil and sowing seeds. In Genesis 2.5, the Bible says, No shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to cultivate the soil. Now, the first mention of sowing seeds comes in Genesis 26.12. When Isaac sowed seed in the land, and that same year he reaped hundredfold of what he had planted. Well, the theme of sowing repeats itself 30 times in the Old Testament, in a wide range of books in the Old Testament. Now, in the New Testament, it's mentioned only 17 times. And most of those times, it refers to the parable of the sower. Which brings us to today's reading in Matthew 13. And we're going to read verse 1 through 8, and then verse 18 through 23. And it can be found on page 13 of your pew Bible. That's the second half of your Bible. So I'll give you a moment to, to look it up. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into the boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And then he told them many things in parables, saying, 
Listen, listen. A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path. And the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil. And they sprang up quickly, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. And then on verse 18 it continues. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. For as what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Well, friends, the parable of the sower is one of the most familiar parables in the Bible. In the list of top ten parables, believenet.com lists the parable of the sower as number one. This parable is recorded in three Gospels, Mark, Luke, and Matthew. And of the 40 parables that are recorded in those three Gospels, seven of them can be found in Matthew 13, more than any other chapter in the Bible. I guess we can call Matthew 13, Parable Central. In this collection of seven parables, Jesus depicts the pathway to the kingdom. Only twice in the Bible does Jesus explain what a parable means. He does so in the parable of the mustard seed. And also in today's reading. The explanation how seeds grow in various types of soil is an allegory for the varying responses to the word of the kingdom. Well, this clear explanation by Jesus would seemingly leave very, li- very little left to talk about this morning. But it also 
raises profound questions. For instance, who qualifies as good soil? Is the soil analogy that Jesus used in the parable of the sower descriptive of people? Or does it depict the state of mind affecting our hearts? The distinction between those two is very relevant. Because if we are predestined, like that plot of land, with either good soil or rocky soil, and since soil cannot change itself, is there any hope for the hardened, rocky, thorny soil? Are these destined to be unproductive forever? Then the promise would be that mankind cannot change. Now on the other hand, if the distinction is that people's heart can be affected, then there is hope for all of us. And let me illustrate this with the following example. In Willow Creek, we started a farm on an abandoned pasture, an abandoned pasture field right next to the Trinity River. It had several terraces with different types of soil. And in one corner of the field, it had mostly river rock, the type of rocky soil that Jesus described in his parable. Nothing would grow in that corner. So the first thing we did, we brought in the tractor from Arcada with a big land leveler. And we moved around thousands of yards of soil and created a gently sloping field with a sufficient layer of topsoil that even that rocky corner would grow good crops. So it is with the hearts of the people that can be cultivated and hardened souls can be softened with Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The sower is the main character in the parable. He scatters his seed carelessly, recklessly, seemingly wasting much of the seed on the ground that holds little promise for a fruitful harvest. Common sense would say he wastes his time with tax collectors and sinners, with lepers, the demon-possessed, and all kinds of other outcasts. Yet, he promises that his wasteful sowing of the word will produce an abundant harvest. So what does good soil truly mean? Who are those who hear the word and understand it, and, in de- and indeed bear fruit? We trust that he will not give up on us, but that he will keep working on whatever is hardened, rocky, or phony within us and among us. We trust in his promise to be with us to the end of the age. Well, all the tulips and the oriental lilies, like stargazers, 
are grown in crates of soil in the Arcata form. And we use this, this composted bark as a core ingredient for, for the soil that grows these beautiful tulips that are on the table right here. Now, many tulips across the world are grown in just water nowadays. But nothing can rival the quality of tulips that are grown in soil, particularly the composted bark that we use in Arcata. It is so full of nutrients and microbes from this continuous composting process that no chemicals are required to control root diseases. And no matter what the underlying soil in the greenhouse may be, like pure sand or gravel with zero nutrients, it doesn't matter. It is the soil inside those crates that is important. It is this soil that is good soil. If we plant these tulips or these lilies, or if the sower would sow his seeds in it, the end result is the same. Beautiful plants will grow from it, resulting in a bountiful harvest. It's like that with our faith. It will grow increasingly strong when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So let's take a look at some real-life examples on how providing good soil can make the difference. So the seeds of faith have a chance to grow and develop into nice plants with beautiful flowers. A few months ago, in a sermon number 19 called Thirsty, we discussed Lee Strobel, a self-proclaimed atheist, who for many years was unreceptive to hearing the word. The seeds fell on rocky soil, and they wouldn't even germinate. But at one point, a small patch of good soil was cleared. When Lee Strobel started to notice the differences in his wife, who had recently become a believer. The seed sprouted, and it grew into a bountiful harvest, so large that the seeds of his face have scattered across the planet, as Lee Strobel today is a world-renowned evangelist. Then C.S. Lewis left his childhood Christian faith to spend years as a determined atheist. No matter what seed was planted, it fell on rocky soil. A hardened heart was unreceptive to hearing the word. Lewis's long journey away from and then back to the faith began with his mother's death from cancer when he was just a boy. Disillusioned with God that he had not healed his mother, Lewis set out on a path towards full-blown rationalism and atheism. 
And in his autobiography, Surprised by Joy, he describes the perils that attacked and that undermined the foundation of his atheism, including beauty of nature and art, the gift of joy, encounters with friends like J.R.R. Tolkien, and reading books of Chesterton and MacDonald. These three names, in particular, played a crucial role in the conversion of C.F. Lewis. The books of Chesterton and MacDonald affected him deeply. The rocks were hauled away, one by one, of that rocky patch of soil. The underbrush was being cleared. Lewis wrote, I did not know what I was letting myself in for. A young man who wishes to remain a sound atheist cannot be too careful of his reading. Eventually, it was Tolkien's friendship that brought him to an encounter with Christ. C.S. Lewis, the intellectual, intellectual, had his dark night filled with light and his life changed forever. From that moment forward, he became a passionate defender of his restored faith. And he popularized Christian truths in a very distinguished way. He wrote 30 books accentuating faith and grief and love. Those books are still popular today. The sower scatters his feet carelessly, recklessly, and seemingly wasting much of the seed on the ground that holds little promise for a fruitful harvest. Well, for the last three months, we have put flowers out in the community here in Blue Lake with a flyer attached to each bunch. Reminding the recipient of the church service here every third Sunday of the month here in Blue Lake. Well, some folks have questioned why we keep doing this. We have a great turnout every time we come out here on the third Sunday in, in, in of the month. But the attendance from the surrounding neighborhoods so far has been sparse. Well, I have been, I am determined to keep doing what we're doing. Because just like the sower sowed his seeds, no matter where it seemed to be falling, the word of God will find itself in the right place at the right time. Particularly when a patch of good soil is cleared for the seed to grow. As believers, we have a role to play in this by providing the opportunity for seed to germinate. We need to tell our story. Lee Strobel converted because his wife told her story and he noticed the profound changes in her. Prepare for witnessing is like preparing the soil. Bring in some composted bark and make the ground ready for planting the seed. 
Be genuinely interested in the other person. Take time to listen about the difficulties that they may face. J.R.R. Tolkien had deep discussions with C.S. Lewis until deep in the night. Commit to spend time. Just a few minutes of heartfelt conversation could be enough. Don't put it off. Others may be ready to receive Christ right now. The patch of soil may be cultivated. All ready to go for the seed to fall and grow. God wants to convert and heal all of us. It is the soil in our heart that is cultivated. Are we opening our heart to God? Good soil hears the word and understands it. And it bears fruit more than a hundred times, just like that quinoa at harvest time. God showers us with all the graces in the world. The Lord wants us to be fruitful. But for that to happen, we should allow His Word to enter our hearts. Let our faith bear fruit. Embrace it with all our hearts. Let us become the fertile soil which receives the gospel and bears fruit by following Jesus Christ and accepting Him as our Lord and Savior. Thank you. God bless you. Amen.